Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. Do you remember how weird the world got two years ago this past week? Maybe not weird, but it, 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 things changed and it got very chill at, at, at minimum. You know, everyone was told two weeks to stop the spread. Everybody just go home, don't go anywhere unless it's essential, and only essential workers are poor. And there became this whole conversation about what's essential, what's not essential. And people were told to just kind of go chill for a bit at home, and, and everything just kind of stopped. And everybody went home and watched Tiger King. And then, which was not an improvement on a culture, uh, and then, um, we did that for a while, and, and, and there were a lot of bad things that came out of that, right, at, from that point on over the last couple of years, and we could go on and talk all day about all the horrible things that have happened uh, in, in, with COVID and, and the loss and the grief and, and the reaction to COVID and the polarization, all those things, all that happened. But if I could point to a good thing that came out of that period of time and, and what came after that was, we were uh, all put in timeout. Like we were all, it was like, you just need to calm down and just sit there for a minute and think about what you've done or whatever. You know, like you had, you had a moment to chill out in a way that you didn't because uh, people would always say, I'm so busy, I'm stressed, I got so much going on. And then suddenly you didn't have so much going on. You didn't drive to work. You couldn't go all of, you couldn't go to the clubs. There was no sports games to go to. All of the things were like canceled. Your kids and all of their schedules, all that stuff was canceled. You just had to like, I don't know, have family game night or something insane like that. You just had to like, do something quiet in your house because that's all that was available to you. And suddenly, the thing we complain about the most that we don't have is time. And suddenly, we had lots of time. And, and I think there's something about that that's good because we long for it. We long for more downtime, more, um, more room to breathe for our souls, we long for some space, some, some margin because we have busy busy lives. We end up working a lot. The average American works 86%. Uh, 86% of Americans work 45 hours a week or more. And then on top of that, we work a lot more than everyone else in the world. The average American works 137 more hours than the Japanese, and the Japanese are known for being very hardworking people. We work 260 hours a year more than the British, Right? So it's a, a week plus of time extra than the British. We work 499 hours more than the French. No one's surprised, but it's... <laughs> but it's... But we... But, but I, and then you have a weird reaction to that, right? That, uh, on the one hand, you go, it, some people will go, man, the French are lazy. And then other people will go, I mean, that sounds kind of nice. Like, they get a couple more weeks off. Like, that sounds kind of, kind of great. But we uh, work a lot. And, and we don't notice we're doing this because everybody's doing it. Like, that's how it goes in culture. When everybody does something, you don't see if it's disordered in any way. If everybody eats crap food and you eat crap food, it's not crap food, it's just food. It's what we all eat. If everybody, uh, if, if everybody drives a little too much and it's just in their car all the time and you drive a little too much in a car all the time, you don't notice because it's what everybody does. It's just the way it goes. And if everybody is out there like grinding and just like overworking and you're overworking, how would you know everybody around you is doing it? It seems like the most normal thing in, in the world. Um, 
And so we, we work a lot, and that eats up a lot of our time. And, and it's not just our working that is eating up our time. Our entertainment eats up a lot of our time. And I know that sounds kind of weird, like entertainment, but it really has changed in the last couple decades. Like, I don't know when it started, but do you remember when, like, Dave and Buster's became a thing? Like, I don't know, in the 90s? I don't know when that was. Dave and Buster's became a thing. And I remember the shift that comes after that, where Dave and Buster's was like, I don't know, an arcade for adults? like an arcade with beer, um, and it was like, oh, this is, I mean, I remember arcades from my childhood, maybe it's for the generation who grew up in the arcades or whatever, I was like, here's this adult version of that, and this is, no, no, this is totally for adults, you, you're supposed to play, you work hard, you're also supposed to play hard, and I'm like, can I do something that's not hard, just like, want, right, even my play has to be hard, you got to really get after it, we work, we go, and then we play hard, we go to Dave and Buster's, and then it, and then it becomes like a million other things, everything's like bingo and beer, shuffleboard and beer, beer and beer, and it's like, there's so many things that we're like, that we're doing that are, that it's, it's gotten crazy out there, there's no end to the number of entertainment things we can think of, and then on top of that, we live in a nice place, and so there are options. There's sports you can go to. There's wineries. There's mountains to go hiking. There's beaches that you can go to. Like, there's a lot of options of ways to be entertained. There's plenty of things that you can do, so you stay busy. If you're not working, you're playing hard, and you've got all of those opportunities and options for you. And if you have children, you can add on the 30 or so activities that they have going on where you are their full-time Uber driver, and you are taking them to all these things, so you you and I stay very, very busy, and honestly, it's, it's a bit exhausting, right? This isn't a new problem. It feels new. Some of that stuff, maybe the, the, our, our form of it is new, but it's not a new problem. God knows this, that, that we are going to grind ourselves down to the nub. God knows we are going to work um, too hard, and, and we're going to overwork, and we're going to burn out, and so he he puts boundaries because we're going to overdo it. Like, for example, we talked about last week, food. Food is delicious, and God knows this about us. We're going to eat too much of it if we have access to it, and it's going to cause us all sorts of problems. Wine is enjoyable. A glass of wine is enjoyable, and God knows this about us. We're going to probably drink too much of it if it's enjoyable, and we're going to develop alcoholism. Sex is pleasurable, and we're going to go too far with it. We're going to get into porn and other things. Work can be very satisfying, but what we're going to do is overwork and, 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 and go too far with that satisfaction and, and will work too hard. And so God sets boundaries around these things and says, I know how you're made and I know how the body and I know how humanity is designed because I designed you and I'm going to put some limits around it, some boundaries, some guardrails so you, you don't lose your mind, you know? And so we talked about one of those last week with fasting and I want to talk about this one today with work, some boundaries. And to, to look at it I want to take you to the very beginning of the Bible because I think what we're going to talk about is a principle that is set from the beginning of time for us, that God, God set this out. In the beginning of the scriptures, if you just open up the Bible to page one, it is Genesis, a book about beginnings. And in Genesis chapter one, verse one, we read about the creation of the universe and it, and it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was that without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is how God starts, this is our origin story. This is how God started all that we see and all, where everything 
came from. It's a powerful story. And if you read the rest of Genesis 1, we're not going to do it now, but if you read the rest, you'll find out that God does this in a period of days. Over six days, God creates the universe. And so you have a day where he creates the land and the sea and then the, 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 the fish and the birds and the land animals. And on day six, he creates humanity. Now, whether you believe that that is six literal days, like six 24-hour periods, or if you believe that that's six periods of time that represent billions of years or whatever, it, it kind of doesn't, doesn't matter. The, the, the point is, God does it all in this, in, this, in this period. We call it six days. And that's his first week of work. I don't know what you did at work this week. Like, you know, maybe you had a good week. Maybe you crushed it. Maybe you got some sales. Maybe you taught some students. Maybe you saw some patients. Like, you did it. Maybe you had a great work week. I don't know what your work week was like, but it wasn't as good as God's first week. He made the life, the universe, and everything in his first week. Uh, If he had had gone a second week, I don't know what he would have accomplished because he got a lot done in week one. But he works hard for six days, creating all that we see. And then there's a day seven. Genesis chapter two says it this way. Thus, the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And if you're reading this for the first time, you didn't see that coming. You're reading about God's creation. He creates animals and plants and all the people. And then it looks like at the beginning of Genesis 2, God basically like just takes a day off, which is a little weird. Like if he's a God, if he's all-powerful, does he need to take a day off? Like, what, did he really get to the end of that and be like, man, I'm kind of whipped from creating everything. It's exhausting being me. I'm going to just put my feet up today. Like, is that what happened? I was in Turkey last year, and I was in Istanbul, and um, we got an opportunity to go visit a mosque. It was one of the largest mosques in the country. So there's thousands of people that are part of this mosque. And, and we go in there, and um, they had some not tour guides, but just people that were there that were volunteers or they work there and they're there to answer your questions. And so there was this lady that was there and she was answering questions and so I went up and started talking to her. Now she didn't know who I was, I'm a minister, a Christian minister or anything, but I started asking her questions because that's what they're there for to inform you how it works. And we, I asked questions about how worship works in, in, in this mosque and, and I asked her about um, the beliefs of Islam. I, I know something about that. I've, I've learned about it. I wanted to hear it from her. Like, what do you believe about these things and how does this work? I wasn't picking a fight and none of that. I was listening and she said, um, in Islam, we believe in four holy books. I was like, all right. Uh, the Quran I knew about, right? So I was like, okay, the Quran, right? She said, the Quran and then the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, that. Um, the Psalms of David, so the book of Psalms, and the Gospels about Jesus. Those are our four holy books. Interesting that three of those are in our Bible, and then there's the Quran, right? She said, these are four holy books. She goes, but three of them have been corrupted, and the only one that's true and, and, and you know, fully not corrupted is the Quran. That kicked up questions in my head, like, why would you have four holy books and then say three of them are bad? Why don't you just go with one? I don't know. Just simplify the thing. But I'm efficient American. I'm probably just looking at this the wrong way. I didn't bring that up. I just said, what do you mean corrupted? Like, what happened? And then she points me to, she didn't say the verse number, but she points me to the verse I just read to you. And she said, in Genesis, it says that God created the earth in six days, 
And then on the seventh day, he rested. And I was like, yeah. And she said, well, if he's a god, he wouldn't need to rest. So you know that mankind went in later and added that part in. That's, why, that's how you know that that scripture's been corrupted, because a true god wouldn't need to rest like that. And I didn't argue. I was just, okay, that's interesting. But what I might have said was, it's not that God needs to rest. That's not the point. The point is, God is trying to set a pattern for us and show humanity this is how you are to, this is how it's supposed to work. This is how you're going to function. You will work, and then you will definitely not work. You will take this day off, this seventh day. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3 says it this way. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God works for six days, and on the seventh day, he, he, he takes this period of time and he makes it holy. Holy is a word that means set apart. So it, it, is, it is special, it is sanctified, it is this, it is this unique, sort of uh, special set-apart day. And if you think of the word holy, you don't think of days as holy, probably. If I said to you, what is holy, you might think of a holy temple, a holy book, a holy man or a holy woman, like a holy, holy garments, holy water. We're going to think of things as being holy. The very first thing in the Bible that is called holy is a period of time. It's the Sabbath day. It's this day of rest. You are to, it's the first time we are told, you are to take this thing, this time, and make it separate and, and, and pay attention to it. It's an important thing. This is how we were designed. We were designed by God to have these rhythms in our lives. We were designed to need food, so you have periods of eating and then not eating. We were designed to need sleep, so you have periods of activity and then you rest. We, we were designed to have this rhythm of Sabbath where we work and then we don't work. This is the way God ordered the creation, and, 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 it's, a, and it's a pattern there that we, that we need to follow. Now, this pattern of creation, this, these principles of creation, the way we were made, God eventually makes it into laws for his people. So if you fast forward and you go to the next book of the Bible, in the book of Exodus, it is the story of the Israelite people who were enslaved in Egypt. They find themselves in Egypt from about 1800-something B.C. to about 1400 B.C. They are slaves in Egypt. An entire nation of people, an entire ethnic group, lives amongst the Egyptians, and they are it is race-based slavery of, of the worst kind. They are worked to the bone, and they, and they are driven hard by their, by their Egyptian masters. And so their entire life for 400 years is being enslaved in Egypt, making bricks. Those pyramids, somebody made them, slaves made them. They make bricks, they stack them, they make bricks. So your entire value in the world in that time, if you're an Israelite, is how many bricks can you make today and tomorrow? and the next day, and the next day. It is a grind that they lived under for 400 years. Now they cry out to God, God hears their prayer, and he sends them a deliverer, a guy named Moses. Moses rises up with the power of God. He confronts Pharaoh and says, let my people go, and then there's some plagues that happen. There's a whole long thing that goes on there. Uh, the, the Israelites eventually leave uh, Egypt they, they go through the Red Sea, that parts, and then they end up wandering in the desert for 40 years. During that 40 years, uh, Moses talks to God, communicates with God, and, and God starts laying down the laws for his people. 
You have to understand the mindset of somebody who would, who would have been there if we could put ourselves in that mindset. We grow up in a nation now of laws and rules and principles and, and boundaries. In, but for the Israelites, if you're a slave and you come out into the desert, you're now a nomad, right? But your mindset is, I'm a slave, I've been a slave, that's all I've ever known. Your parents were slaves. We're talking 400 years. Your parents were slaves, your grandparents were slaves, their parents were slaves, their grandparents were slaves. This goes on for quite a while. Nobody can even remember what it's like to be free. And I guess if there's a benefit to that kind of slavery is you get meals provided for you, you get housing provided for you, and you know what you're doing every day because it's the same thing. But once you pull yourself out of that and God delivers them out of that, you don't know what to do. You don't know who you are. How do you take care of the family? How do you, what, how do you get food? Um, what does work look like? All of this stuff is going to be new to you. And so God spends 40 years in the desert teaching them how to be teaching a group of people that don't know how to be, basic things. And he gives them during this time a whole bunch of laws of, of basic things, some, some laws about sanitation, where do you go to the bathroom, some laws about uh, how you handle time, these sorts of things. And in the midst of that, God gives them the Ten Commandments. You've probably heard of the Ten Commandments. They're, they're, they're pretty famous. The ones you would probably know if I said, can you name the Ten Commandments? Immediately we go to commandments like, six, seven, eight, nine, and we'll go like, oh yeah, thou shall not kill, thou shall not commit adultery, thou shall not steal, those sorts of things. And, and so God gave those, yes, those are, those are obvious ones that we know, God gave them those rules and as, hey, this is the way to be in the world, don't kill people. This doesn't seem like complicated moral reasoning, right? This isn't like, wow, who could ever think of such a high bar of morality? It's like real basic, yo, other people, do not kill them, basic. Adultery. That guy, his wife, she's not your wife. That's the deal. That guy, that husband over there, that's not your husband. You have one. They have one. Keep it like that. Don't steal. You know how, like, someone has something you want? Stop it. Don't take it. Like, this is basic humanity, the Ten Commandments. And, it, and it's actually powerful stuff. It was written down, clear, posted in places. To this day, it has it, it it served as a foundation for uh, legal code all over the world it is a, a profound thing. And so Moses prays and fasts. He gets these Ten Commandments from the Lord. Um, but, and, and they all still sound good. Not killing still sounds like a good idea. But listen to commandment number four on the list. Number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So in the midst of don't kill and all this stuff, God says, take a day off. And I want you to notice two words. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So remember, in other words, you're going to have to go way back in the history of the people and understand that before you were slaves, before all of that, Sabbath day was a thing. God designed in creation this. Moses wrote it down for you in Genesis so you know we can go back and look at it. This is the principle. You are, you are supposed to have this day where you don't work. Remember that. Don't forget it. And remember means... Um, it, it didn't necessarily come from you, like it came from the outside. God, God gave this to you, uh, and, and, and I want you to call it to mind and understand that this is the way God orders the world, and then keep it holy. It is a holy day. It is to be set apart. It is not your, your job to create the Sabbath or to, to carve out the time or whatever. Your job is to keep what God has already given to you. God has given you a day where you can knock it off and just chill, 
And it is your job to make sure it stays that way, to observe it, to make it happen in, in your own life and, and schedule. We understand that, right? Keep, keep the thing. If I give you $50 and say, well, hey, would you keep this for me? I'll be back in a week. I want to get it back from you. We understand that. Keep means I did not create this $50. I am holding it. I'm holding on to it. I'm going to take care of it. This is a little bit how Sabbath is. We remember it, and then we keep it. It's a little strange to me that this makes the Ten Commandments because the other commandments make a whole lot of sense, and they still sound good. Don't kill people. Don't cheat. Um, honor God. Put God first in your life. That, these sound like good, good ideas. We should still teach those to kids and adults. And, but a commandment that says, a commandment, I mean, in the top ten, you should take a day off. It's weird, right? It's weird that we would have that. And in, in some ways, I think in American culture, it, it almost seems like nonsense. Like if you said to me, Chris, I just worked 14 days in a row. I've just been grinding out here. I wouldn't think, you are violating the commandments, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a minister, so I'm super judgy, but even I wouldn't judge you on that, okay? I would probably think, if you said, I worked 14 days in a row, I would probably think, man, you're really important or busy. You got a lot going on. You must, you must have some things you really got to take care of, right? That, that's, that's how that lands on our ears, man. You're just, you're grinding, man. Like, and, we, and we say that kind of stuff. Grind never stops, man. Grind never stops. I'm up before the enemy. I am going to out-train my opponent. I'm going to learn productivity hacks. All that stuff, right? And, and so we break this commandment, and it's the only commandment you'll brag about. Right? You'll be like, yeah, I worked 14 days in a row. You won't be like, yeah, I accidentally killed someone last week. You're not going to brag about it. You won't, you won't brag about breaking any of those commandments. But this one, you'll be like, I mean, it's because I, every day I'm hustling, hustling, you know? Like, that's what I do. That's, and we'll brag about it. And I think, I actually think God knew this. He knew this about us as well. That we're going to try to, we're going to find a loophole. We're going to find a way around this commandment. We're going to be like, it. I know, yeah, but if I work a little extra, then I can get, this is just a busy season. We're going to say all of those things. So God doesn't just give the commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He expands on it. Listen to the next verse about Sabbath. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. It's very clear, right? This is not vague. You shall not do any work. Who? Me? You. Or your son. Or your daughter. Your male servant. Your female. They're servants. Okay, don't get hung up on that. Your male servant. Your female servant. Or your livestock. Or the sojourner who is within your gates. So if you have foreigners living with you in the Exodus and all that. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Because he was setting a pattern. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Just in case you thought you could get around this, God's like, no. And let me be very specific. Because people would be like, I mean, I'll take a Sabbath. My servant's going to keep working, though. Is that cool? Because, you know, grind never stops. I'll take a Sabbath, but I got this sojourner, this guy living with me, and my, I'm going to make sure he keeps working because, you know, we can really get ahead if we just work this extra day. And God's like, in no uncertain terms, everybody I can think of naming, no, stop it. Don't work. And it's, it's, it's because they want to find a loophole. 
and so do we. The modern version of this sounds like, okay, I'll take a Sabbath, but there's just this email I need to send. I'll take a Sabbath, but I got a work call real quick. I'm just going to jump on a call real quick. This is what it sounds like when we do this, right? When we go around this commandment. Now look, there are laws in the Old Testament we don't follow, and this is where it gets thorny for people. There's a law that they had about not wearing two kinds of fabric. So like a cotton poly blend would be like right out in, in, the, in ancient Israel. I get it. They, did, they didn't look cool in rayon. It just wasn't a thing. Whatever. All right. But, but you have to look closely and go, which of these things are laws for a nomadic people in a particular time and place? And which of them are just principles about the way God designed us? And with this one, it's a principle because it goes all the way back to creation before there ever were laws. This is just some, there's just something here about the way God wired up people to be. And when we live the way God wired us up, there's some harmony there and we flourish. And when we buck the system and try to go outside of how God designs and orders humanity, we struggle. Another reason we're dialed into this idea of Sabbath is because Jesus affirmed it. In his day, so if you fast forward past the Exodus to 1,400 years, in Jesus' day in the first century in the Roman Empire, the Jews remembered the Sabbath day to keep it holy, and they got super legalistic about it. If you light a candle, you can't blow the candle out because that's work, and you can't work on the Sabbath day. You can't walk more than a quarter of a mile because that's work, and you can't do that on the Sabbath day. So if the law is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, they had a couple hundred extra laws about how to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and this is where it gets. And so Jesus comes in contact with that a lot in his ministry. Anytime you're reading about Jesus in the Gospels and, and, you, and you read, and it was a Sabbath, you're basically, what you're reading is, it's going to be a problem. People are going to have a problem with what he's doing. Like whatever he's doing and it was on the Sabbath day, they're not going to like this. That's what it's saying. It's letting you know. And also it was on that day when people were going to get real worked up about it. And listen to what Jesus says. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, these are religious leaders of the day, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? They're plucking heads of grain, that's work. And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. Like, there's precedent here, guys. And he said to them, the Sabbath, this is important, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Notice the legalism that creeps in there. The rule is, the law is, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The legalism says you can't even pluck a head of grain. If, if your animal falls in a well, you can't get them. Or what, like just so many like crazy little rules and candles and all the walking and all the, like you can't do any of these things. Um, that, that's, those are the rules around it. And, and Jesus goes, no, here's the deal. This was made for you. God designed this for you. Not for you to get nutty about it and feel like you're doing it for him. I'm going to Sabbath, and if I get it right, God will be pleased with me. No, this was designed for your benefit, for your rhythm, so you don't lose your mind. This was, this was given to you 
by the Lord. It's not an arbitrary rule to follow. It is a principle of creation for your enjoyment and for your benefit. So, how could we do that today and benefit from it? Because I think it's needed. There's insanity. There's speed. There's pace of life. There's frustration. There's stress. There's anxiety. There's depression. There's all of the things in culture. And maybe we just need to take a day off. You know, I, I've wondered about the order of the Ten Commandments. The commandment to take a day off is commandment four. The commandment to not kill people is commandment six. And I just think there's something to that order. Like, if you would just take a day off, maybe you wouldn't kill anybody. Like, maybe, maybe you'd calm down a little bit and just, just follow. Don't even worry about it. Like, don't even, if you will get this right, you will not start doing those other things. I just wonder if there's something to that. So what would that look like for us today? Uh, two things. Number one, decide to take a day each week where you will do no work. So pick a day in your week and do no work. This is different than, I'm going to Sabbath a little bit for two hours each night. Nope, that won't do. Take a day and mark it out and go, I, I need to unplug here. And, and, and on that day, don't work. And this is where like, well, what counts as work? Because we're legalists, right? Gets into our head, well, can I mow the lawn? Look, take a day. Where you, where you enjoy life, where you eat the things that you like, all the chocolate or all the whatever. Take a day where you gather with friends. You find people you like and go, man, let's hang out, let's do this thing. Take a day where you go on a hike. Take a day where you go out to eat. Take a, take a day where you read the thing you've been wanting to read. Take a day where you go for that bike ride. Take a Take a day where you worship God and you think about him and you honor him, that you sing a song, that you take a day to not do the things associated with productivity, to not win and crush goals and be type A. Take a day to be a type A minus if you need to, like to just step back a little bit and not get after it, to do a day of no work. Now, notice I said decide to take a day. Um, you will not accidentally Sabbath. It won't happen. Um, and you know how this works, because if you don't draw a line, everybody will draw it for you. If you don't say, I'm not going to work on these days, there will be the encroachment. There will be the, but could you just, you know, over the weekend, could you just check in on, maybe if you could stop by and handle, could you check your slack or what, like, No. Like, you have to draw those lines. You have to decide, or this just won't happen. And you'll say all the good, you'll say good things about it not happening. Like, if, uh, what I would love is if you walked out of here today and you said, all right, I'm after it. This coming week, I'm taking the Sabbath. For me, Saturday works. For a lot of us, Saturday would probably be the best day for this uh, because of the work schedule and the flow or whatever. But if you walk out of here and you say, I'm going to do this, and you get after it next Saturday, whatever, cool. But for a lot of people, what's going to happen is, and what, what often happens is you walk out of here and you go, yeah, that's a good point. I probably should do that. I'll get to that next week or the week after, and that becomes the week after that and the week after that. And then you try to squeeze it in. Well, I'll Sabbath for three hours on Friday or something like that. And you try to, like, make it fit. 
And because, you know, it's a busy season right now. You're dating a lot and your dating life is very busy or you're planning a wedding, that's super busy. You're getting married, that's super busy. You just got married, that's busy. You're trying to have kids, apparently that's busy. And I just had kids, that's busy. And I'm raising these kids and that's super busy. And kids are getting older and we're just really busy because our time with them is short. And now I'm empty nester. And man, I just didn't realize how busy I'd be empty nesting. And then retirement, man, retirement's busy. And you're gonna be busy and busy and busy and then you're gonna be dead. And if you don't Sabbath, I would argue you're going to be dead a lot sooner in, in that whole process. Like if we don't unplug, because, and I'm, I'm, I'm being a little silly with it, but, but the reality is God designed us this way, and he knows better than we do. He knows that there's a rhythm, that there's a pace that our bodies can, can only go a, a certain amount. And so Sabbath is a key to unlocking some sanity in this crazy world. And it'll bring us a little more peace and a little more quiet. So you have to decide to do it, number one. And two, use the Sabbath to do things that recreate your soul. People have used the Sabbath over, over millennia to do the things they love, right? To, to, um, to hike or to be with friends, to eat great food, those sorts of things. Um, whatever it is that you would say, this, this fills me, this fills my tank. Um, do those things on, on the Sabbath day. This is one of the things I think Jewish families even today do really well. I think I was listening to an author who is somewhat Christian and somewhat Jewish, and he said, there's nothing, there's nothing like Christian worship. There's something about when Christians gather that's so powerful. And he said, and there's nothing like a Jewish Sabbath meal. When they come together, there's just something about it that's so powerful. And I think there is something there when you, when you set aside time and say, this is for us together, this is for me, and I'm gathering up with some people or, or whatever. When you do that, it can be really powerful. Um, and, 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 and so use the time intentionally to do things that recreate your soul. Don't get legalistic about it. Oh, I didn't Sabbath hard enough, and I didn't whatever. Like, you don't have to win this. This is a chance to not win. Quit all the scoreboard stuff. Don't, don't beat yourself up. I just didn't do it quite right. Be intentional, and then see what happens. When I, I have found when, I, when I'm getting after this, and I'm, and I'm really setting aside that time, uh, It's awesome. And is, it, it just helps fill me up. And especially doing it on a Saturday, I come in here on Sunday and I'm like ready to go. I'm the most refreshed I've been because of, because of what Saturday was like. I used to play a video game back in the day, uh, The Sims. You guys ever play The Sims? Yeah, okay. All right, so people. For those of you who don't know, The Sims is just like a little digital, it's a game where there's a little person and they have like a house and they go around. It's like normal life, I guess. It's like having a digital pet, basically. It's like a little version of you. And so I had never played before and I, I, I don't know why, something about that is appealing to me. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna make this little guy. He's gonna be me and I'm gonna like do stuff with him and like take care of him and stuff. So I get him this little house and I get him um, uh, stuff in his house. And after he had been going for a little while, um, he started getting really depressed. And I couldn't figure out, like, what is wrong with my sim? Like, he is struggling out there, which is, you know, a crisis in the modern world. You know, your sim is struggling, you know, how's your sim? It's not good. He wasn't good. He was struggling. And I, I tried to help him. I don't know why I didn't think to, like, Google it or this was years ago, so I probably, like, Lycoast or Netscaped or something him. I don't know. But uh, I was trying to figure out, like, why is he depressed? 
And so I did the things you would do to try to pick him up. I got him an espresso machine, and um, he would drink it, and he'd, he'd be like, ooh. You know, he'd like make a little noise, and he was like, he was like amped. It doesn't last. Like, he's still depressed after that. He would be amped for a second and then kind of depressed. I got him a mirror in his house, um, which I don't know, that doesn't really help depression oftentimes. But with this mirror, he could practice his public speaking. And I thought, what better way to lift someone out of depression than public speaking? Like, this is, and he's my sim, dang it. And he's going to learn to be a public speaker. It's important. This is the best thing he could do with his life, I thought. And he'd get in front of his little, he'd get in front of his mirror and he'd say his little thing, you know. And he got to be a better public speaker, but I can attest, it doesn't necessarily help. (laughs) Uh, He he wasn't better. And then I did some research, and I discovered, here was the problem. Every morning outside the house, a car would show up, and it was for him to go to work. And I was like, oh, and they'd honk the horn. And I'd be like, oh, my sim has to go to work, and I'd send him to work. He'd go out there, and then time would lapse, and he'd come back at the end of the day, work day, and he comes home, and we'd do the thing, and he's still depressed. And I couldn't figure it out. And what I discovered was someone online said, you don't have to send him to work. He can just let the car go and skip work. And he'll get a lot better. And it's true. As long as you don't skip like multiple days in a row, because then he loses his job, that doesn't help. But I could skip like every other day, which is awesome, only in sim world. But it was awesome. And once I figured that out, he wasn't so depressed. And I just thought, I wonder if the creator of The Sims are onto something. That when you grind and you get in that car every day and you go to that job and you do that thing and you don't take time off, it wrecks something inside of us that has spiritual ramifications, that has emotional ramifications, it has physical ramifications as we grind everything about us down. Um, I think we need to learn what the Israelites had to learn in the desert. They had to learn that you're not slaves anymore. Like your value is not in how much you produce. And we may not be slaves in that traditional sense, but a lot of us believe that our value is entirely in what we produce. And maybe we have to be reminded of this too. You're not that anymore. And you don't need to grind like that. That you are God's and that you're loved as you are. And so my challenge is, take a day off regularly, every week. Schedule this, plan it, put some boundaries around it, enjoy it, and see what God does in your soul. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the Sabbath that it was given for us, that you modeled this pattern in creation, that we would be different, that we would be um, healthy, that we would not work as much as we can, just like we don't spend all the money we make and we don't eat all the food that we could eat. We don't work all the hours that we could. And God, maybe as a, of all the cultures of, on earth right now, maybe we're one that needs to learn this lesson more than any other, that life does not consist in, in how much we work and what we produce, but there's, there's more and that you have more for us. Um, God, help us to be people. Maybe we're weird amongst our neighbors and weird amongst the people at work because we actually keep this we remember it and keep it, and that's okay. We will be the weird ones who fast and pray and sing and keep the Sabbath and do these things so that we can um, keep our heads in a, in a crazy world. Thank you, Lord, for the Sabbath, for the example of it, 
Um, and I, I, I just ask for peace to be upon people in this room this week as we, as we do this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.